All right, my partner and friend in crime, Gomthog. What's up, my friend? Dude, I don't know if you're feeling the heat yet, but your ears are going to be burning because I am prepared to pour out a cauldron of molten metal onto our listeners. Prepare to be scorched. We've got an interview with guitarist Tim Roth, the Tim Roth of Into Eternity. He's on the podcast. Holy shit, man. That's like one of your favorite bands. Oh, yeah. We talked about him on our very first podcast. I called him a guitar god. You did call him a guitar god. I said he was all about the speed. Let me tell you what, my friend. Since studying and listening for this uh, interview, I think he's a guitar god. Yeah, man. I can't freaking believe it. Tim was kind enough to take the time to talk to me on a recent Saturday, and man, did he ever deliver. Tim talks about what Into Eternity has been up to, about their new vocalist, Amanda Kiernan, about a side project he's been involved with, and what we can expect with Into Eternity in 2014. That sounds excellent. Sounds like we will be both entertained and informed. Without further ado, here it is, our interview with Into Eternity's own Tim Rawls. joined today by phone with Tim Roth, guitarist, singer, and songwriter for the legendary Canadian metal band Into Eternity. Tim, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today on the Great Metal Debate Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate the interview. Thank you. I want to start by asking, uh, I wonder if you could just give us kind of a brief review for long-term fans and people who may just be getting into Into Eternity. You know, an update on the past few years brings up to speed on the changes that have taken place since the release of your last full studio album, The Incurable Tragedy. Yeah, well, basically after we released The Incurable Tragedy, it was kind of a race to see if the album was going to be released or my new son was going to be born, because he was being born like a month after, uh, end up being, yeah, I guess a couple months after the album was released. So we still got to go out and do, you know, the Summer Slaughter Tour, and we're out with Symphony X, so we... We were really busy that whole 2008 year recording and touring, but my life actually changed, which actually put a, you know, trouble for the band in a way. So, it was well, congratulations. A, yeah, well, for you. thank That's you. Great. It, it was like the, the best day of my life. Like my little son Luca Jacob Ingve Roth was born. I made sure his. I wanted to name him Ingve, but uh, I didn't get. At least I got Ingve's name. <laughs> in there my favorite guitar player but so then in 2009 we went to japan so then because we had another offer we had already been to japan in 2008 but then they said we'll come back again so two years in a row so we're like so we kept going and uh but then as soon as we got back from japan i had to take care of business at home and um but yeah fast forward then Stu got an offer to do iced earth um So then, of course, like, Stu hits the big time in the meantime, so I'm so happy for him. He still texts me, you know, during the week and will tell me what he's doing. He's, like, in arenas right now with Volbeat and just doing... Mm -hmm. Over in Europe. Yeah, Yeah. amazing right now in 2013. 
So, um, yeah, that put us on, you know, uh, Singer Search. We had gotten a new drummer, like a Canadian, since we were just going to be sticking in Canada for the next years. So we got Brian Newberry, a new drummer, and uh, we started demoing new music is really what we've been doing this whole time. And uh, I know there'll be a question later on, but this entire time we've been working on this new album, which is completely recorded. So we got a new singer, Amanda Kiernan. We had to do some auditions and all these. All this takes so much time and to sift through everyone. We had such great response from all over and all over the world, in fact, but I'm thinking we could get this amazing singer from Italy, but then, you know, then we always have, would have to fly him in for rehearsals. So it worked out that Amanda is just eight hours away, and she was just a perfect fit, and she was a fan of the band. So the long, the long story short. And you've also, even though you haven't had a, a, a full album, you have released some music in the interim period as well. Yeah, we want to do that just to show fans that, that this music exists. Um, it's like a 50-minute album right now, and it's completely recorded, almost 100% recorded. We're waiting on like a symphony and a few other ear candy, I guess, icing on the cake. And uh, But we released um, Sandstorm just ourselves um, on iTunes and had a great response. And then we also released uh, Fukushima, and both those songs were with Stu singing because he was singing with Iced Earth, but... As soon as he heard these new songs, he said, well, he wants to be a part of them, so he sang on both of them. So it was, we're so happy to have Stu do that. That's great. And it was good for from the fan perspective, even though you weren't able to provide a full new album, yeah. to, to get a little, so a little, some little teasers there that maybe gave us uh, a little bit of feeling uh, about the sort of music you're working on what yeah. we could expect for the future. Exactly, so. yeah. Tell me a little bit, if you would, about uh, Brian Newbury, uh, the, the new drummer, and kind of how he fits in and what maybe what strengths he brings to the band. Well, he brings youth, number one, and speed <laughs> and dedication. He's like a health freak and, like, you know, really in touch with himself kind of thing. And an amazing drummer. He's in, like, a million other bands, too, in Edmonton. Like, Death Toll Rising is his main band, but he's they just released an album, but they, he's been in a bunch of bands. And uh, we got involved with him. I had talked to my best friend, Derek Petrovich in Calgary, and I said, I need, we needed a drummer. And Derek's always been my right-hand man, so he said, well, I'll get you the best drummer in Edmonton. And I said, yeah, that's who I want. And he came down and just, just crushed. He brings such speed and double bass and blast beats and just so much. His favorite drummer is like Gene Hoagland. And my favorite, oh, yes. one of my favorite bands ever is Death. So it's a perfect combination my riffs and his drumming is just going to be just perfect i think he's, he's been just a great drummer but on the writing process we still have our original drummer who's actually coming by in two hours he's going to pop by and he comes over and does demo drums with me here so we still have a lot of jim's uh influence on these songs like fukushima and stuff like that jim had such a huge process in in helping to write the drum parts so it's really, we look at it as a team. I've been with Jim like for the past, like, I don't know, 17 years. Uh, Jim Austin, he's been on all of our albums except for The Incurable Tragedy. So uh, Jim is also involved. But uh, for any anything else, it's all Brian. Brian also has all of his fills and all of his input. But it's just great to have everyone involved. Excellent. 
That's great. So, yeah, sounds like you've got uh, some of the old and the new to uh, to influence the music going Definitely. forward. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned Amanda Kiernan, uh, the new vocalist, and you guys have had some amazing vocalists in the past, Stu and Chris Crawl. Yes. Uh, you know, for, as a fan in recent years, as a metal fan, I become uh, really uh, infatuated with female vocalists, and I. I would make the argument many times, you know, the female vocalists can execute vocals in the context of, of metal as well or better than can male singers. And so I, I kind of wonder, you know, when you were going through the process of evaluating and making decisions there, uh, you know, did, did that idea of the female vocal range play any part in bringing in Amanda? And what does now having her as a vocalist open up as far as new directions for you as a songwriter. Yeah, exactly. I think all that. Um, I, I originally was not expecting to get a female, but back in 2000, around 2000 and 2001, I always wanted to get a female into the band. I wanted to have a female keyboard player and a female that could sing and do those different, uh, different tones, different range, just like you say, totally. But what's different is when we got Amanda, she... She doesn't sing like a girl. <laughs> I mean, right. she has oh, such amazing tone to her voice. Tone is something that you can't, yeah, that's something you cannot teach. And she sings with such rasp and power and real emotion, like heart-wrenching emotion on some of these new songs of ours. Oh, it's just we, we utilize her a lot different as like not we don't have uh, female vocals as if like a Nightwish with the amazing right. operatic crystal clean vocals. We're going with raspier and vibrato and and rougher, which will be mm -hmm. great. And she also has this death voice. She's also a hybrid vocalist. And we got a female though because of the high ranges that Stu is hitting. A lot of some of the male guys were having problems with those higher notes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not surprised to hear that. So with Amanda, it, it was high, but she naturally has a higher voice. Yeah. It, it, that was another huge reason um, how we got Amanda. It was, it's a combination, though. She's such a fun girl. Like When you meet her, you'll, it'll be like you've always known her because she's such a fun girl and so pumped up and just loves the music. And she did such a great job on this new album. It's been perfect. It's the vocals I write and in the range that I write works out perfect for her range. It's like, and when I sing, like I sing on every single chorus, like on the new album and in general live. So I think my voice naturally blends great, like a female and a male voice together sounds just great together. So People have to see it live because it's the best we've sounded. Like Stu came to rehearsals and would be watching, and he had his arms crossed. <laughs> and uh, after he'd give Amanda tips, like Stu also had a big part to help train her. Like we didn't take this lightly. We flew her in. We would rehearse for like eight hours a day, like sometimes up to ten hours, in fact. And she wouldn't be singing the whole time, but it's – it still probably was a lot for her because when we get into the mode, we just go full on. So, yeah, it's been it just like a real. Oh, I was gonna say it sounds like a real team effort there with Into Eternity. Yes, for sure, definitely a lot be of stuff behind the scenes that people wouldn't see, you know. So sure, just kind of an idea about kind of the different influences that they might be hearing in your music 
And then also, you know, what do you think your vision is for this band sound evolving into the future? Well, it's it's a tough one. I was influenced by just so many different things, and that hurt the band so much in the very beginning because every reviewer in 1998 and 1999, we put up first album, said, hey, here's a band that can't find their sound. They're, they're mixing death vocals and clean vocals. Like, But nowadays, that's totally... You know, totally acceptable. And I'd heard bands like Fear Factory doing it, say, 1992, and uh, these kind of bands. So it was, and Cynic had the cool robot voice, the cool, clean singing, but then also the death singing in 1993. So when I had heard, like, Cynic and these kind of bands, I thought, well, yeah, that's what I want, but I want good, clean vocals, like an Iron Maiden type of voice with the death vocals, which I love, the death. And the high death pitch, the low death pitched. Mm-hmm. But I, I started off listening to thrash metal. My first concert was Megadeth in 1990. It was a oh, wow. Well, it was Testament and Megadeth. They were on the painkiller. Judas Priest was on yeah. that tour as well. But they sk- Judas Priest skipped over our city because we. Oh no! I just live in that a- was a great. I I saw that in Dayton, Ohio that year. Yeah, that was great. So you got to see the Priest tour. Oh man, yeah. Well, that was my first show. So that inspired me and Alex Skolnick was using a red Ibanez Sabre guitar so that's still the guitar I use to this day so it was serious inspiration seeing Megadeth of course with 300 people there sold out it was just life-changing for me so my whole thing was thrash metal but then at the same time that all that was happening this death metal scene was happening and I fell in love with death and, and these and obituary with James Murphy and these melodic leads. So I love death metal. But then what happened, Dream Theater came out and put out Image and Words. And then, boom, all this progressive. So I'm like, oh, my God, I love, love these clean singing. And I love John Petrucci's solos and the clean. And, and I had loved Metallica, how they would have these beautiful, classical, clean intros on the beginning of Fight Fire with Fire. And uh, and the Injustice for All album had such beautiful classical pieces that just make you want to cry. So I wanted to also have the nice acoustic guitar at times. So really, that's how our whole sound. Kind of, we kind of I wanted to take something from everything, but that also, like I say, hurt us because people just maybe the, the listener doesn't always want that, but that's what I want. So that's what I did. Excellent. Well, in many ways, you were ahead of your time to integrate those things that today would be taken as a given. Yeah, it today it's natural for us. Yeah, it's a given today. You're right, exactly. And you mentioned earlier something about waiting on some some uh, symphonic piece for the new album. Is that something you're integrating in as well? Yes, definitely. But I can pencil in it at home. I have a little. I do demoing at home, but I'm like grade one at it. So we want to have someone <laughs> really good. So there's a local guy that's done stuff for the real, our symphony here, and he can just come up with these just amazing things. So we have um, one song called The Scattering of Ashes, and it's a tribute to Rob Doherty, uh, who oh, played yes. on um, the Buried in Oblivion album. So I had wrote this song. I didn't plan on writing it, but it, it wrote itself. So it's on the new album, but it's a full acoustic song, and Amanda's vocals are just oh, heart-wrenching. Uh, also, what makes it heart-wrenching is she was going through like a breakup with her boyfriend at the time, the exact time that we were in the studio. So she's already like in tears, and so she's in the studio pouring her heart out. So it's, it was all caught on tape, which is great, and it's a, a great tribute to Rob. 
So the new album will have lots of highs and lows. That's great. So wh- what can you share, uh, and I'm sure some things are still in process and you, you wouldn't have answers at this point, but what can you share with us about uh, potentially the new album's release, if there might be a tour, and what, what do you know at this point? Yeah, um, definitely it's going to happen in, t- in 2014, but uh, yeah, I can't really say a whole lot right now. Our management is working on the entire thing. There's plenty of label interest. The, the album is almost finished right now. And uh, all I can say is it'll be released next year. And with the tour to follow, many tours, we want to tour everywhere we can. We'll tour anywhere that wants us. So we're with Rock the Nation USA. So we have a great team behind us with management and booking. So next year, now is not the time to to put it out at the end of the year. So we're going to start fresh in 2014. 50 minutes of new music, technical playing, blast beats, double bass, solos, high singing, acoustic, just everything that we do wrapped into an album. Yeah, I've, I've caught you playing at least one of those new songs uh, on, on YouTube and a live performance before, and I'm, I'm excited to hear the whole thing uh, in the studio album. Oh, great, yeah. I'm excited for people to hear it. I, it's killing me that it just can't be out. <laughs> sure. I mean, I want it to be out as much as everyone else, probably even more, because I've invested so much time, so many hours so, yeah, it'll be released, though. In the meantime, though, we're actually working on album seven right now. So Jim is coming over today to uh, demo drums on brand new material. So, Wow. Now, now you're really uh, teasing us with that, Tim. Yeah. That's, so That's doubly exciting. We haven't stopped. Hey, so. hey uh, outside of Into Eternity, I read online recently that you contributed some guest vocals on an album by the Montreal band Carchaos. Can, can yeah. you tell me a little bit about how you got together with those guys? Well, geez. Yeah, in well, in 2012, we went and did a Western uh, uh, tour of the U.S., like over the like New York area, like Brooklyn and stuff. But we also had cut up and did like Toronto, which was an awesome show. But we did Montreal, and we played with Carcaos there. They'd uh, been direct support for us there with Single Bullet Theory. And um, I'd met the singer Veronica, and they're such a great band with like epic songs and They'd given us their albums, and we would listen to them in the RV when we were touring, and we really liked them. But then I wasn't expecting Veronica, the singer, like, emailed me and said, hey, would you, like, guest sing on on our new song? And I was just blown away, because normally I would be asked to do a guest solo. Exactly. So I think that's what really intrigued me. No one, like, usually asked me for to sing, so I was like, great. So... She had just sent me these the song and the lyrics, and I'd emailed her and, and said, well, hey, what do you have in mind? But she hadn't responded, and I'd already gone to the studio, so I just went in and just sang from my heart, and it just worked out great, I thought. I think it's my best vocal performance. I'm pushing my chest voice as high as I can go with rasp, and yeah, just trying to do the best well, I can. Probably something exciting about stepping outside of the the uh, singing while playing guitar to just purely focus on that for this one piece. That must, that yeah. must have been exciting. Very exciting. I think it was just so intriguing. I just, and they're such a great band and I was just honored that they would think of me, I think. So it was great. It was just so, so great. 
Well, hey, Tim, uh, before we go, can you uh, uh, want to share with people uh, how they can learn more about Into Eternity, some contact information, and especially uh, how they can support the band right now by purchasing music and merchandise? Can you share that with us? Well, yeah, we're on iTunes right now. We're right now we're just independent as far as that goes, but the proceeds go directly to us and uh, through Bandcamp as well. We're on Bandcamp. We have two songs. So we also have like a merch store with indie merch, which all the proceeds definitely help us as far as that goes. And maybe if everyone could just give us a, a like on Facebook, that would be great. Facebook is like the main thing that people seem to use, but we have a website into eternity.net that people could also contact us if need be. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for the support though. Everyone has been supportive. We, People have been buying the digital singles, the Fukushima and the Sandstorm, and people from a lot of people from Japan, people from all over have been buying it. So it's it's really amazing to be able to also, you know, sell our own music in a way and, and have a bit of control over our own destiny. I think it's just great. And even the merch, I've, I've seen you have some new merch on there, including some uh, some tees with the with the logo kind of blown up. Yeah, that, that, your logo is awesome, man. I, I've got to get me one of those. Matthias is the man. He's we have an artist from Sweden, and he's always done our artwork since the very beginning. Dead or dreaming, and and buried, and every single album plus all the digital singles. So he's done seven covers for us, and he's the one that invented the logo. And I just oh, just love it. Yeah, yeah, that's classic. Yeah, that's great. Thanks to Matthias. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for taking the time to join us on the Great Metal Debate Podcast. It's been a real privilege to talk with you today. Yeah, well, thanks so much for the support. Really appreciate it. So, Tim Rawl, you've been telling me for years how good this dude was. I just didn't listen enough, man, because he... It's fucking awesome, man. That's all there is to it. I'll be honest. I kind of geeked out at first when I was talking to Tim, but he was so down to earth, so super cool. Well, I I loved in the interview where he talked about how his influences early on uh, adversely affected the band. But you pointed out, and I think rightly so, that he was visionary. I mean, some of the shit that he did back then was considered a bad thing. Now it's considered virtuoso. I mean, I think he's finally getting some recognition like he deserves. I mean, I hope so. I, I do think that Into Eternity was way ahead of their time. And now a lot of bands, you know, that are becoming very successful are using kind of that, you know, same template that Into Eternity helped form. But they were back there a decade or more ago producing that type of music. And and uh, I'm just super excited about their new album. Uh, he, he's a forward-thinking dude. I mean... We talk, I mean, back then he was already thinking ahead. He says in the interview, he's thinking about album number seven and working on music for that. That That is, you've got your head on trying to produce music correctly when you're doing that, I think. Well, and he said, some listeners may not have liked such and such way we're doing it, but that's the kind of music I wanted to make. He's a guy who has a definite vision, and he's sticking to that vision, and I love it. I love the fact that he is influenced by so many Bands. I mean, he talked about uh, Cynic and Iron Maiden and Testament and Dream Theater and Metallica. That's quite a, a variation of influences right there. And, it, and I think that comes out of the music that he plays. Yeah, you and I would debate for many podcasts over those different bands and what sound is or isn't metal. 
he's the one who took all of those concepts and wrapped them up together and says, I'm going to, I'm going to utilize them all. Well, I mean, he talks about, uh, he has a couple of lines in this interview that I love. One was, he said, yeah, and I just fell in love with death. I mean, that's such a great line, talking about music, <laughs> period, you know. Now, the other one, when he was talking about your question that, that you asked him that went on for quite a while, and he, and he ends with, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think all that. <laughs> that was about the female vocal. Yeah, you were, you basically stated his answer for him. So good good reading of the mind there, my friend. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I hope I've got some idea about what he's thinking because I've I've listened over and over. I don't I can't tell you how many hours, days, even weeks or months I've spent listening to Into Eternity. I can remember taking a flight uh from Nashville to Chicago and listening to uh, buried in oblivion as I'm as I'm looking out onto the clouds during that flight, man, and just being in kind of a, a strange emotional state as the music flowed over me. Oh shit, I, my memory sucks. What's the second album? Uh, Dead or Dream. Oh my god, that album is so. That's an album I put on and listened to the whole thing through. Let, let me just switch gears real quick here. One of the things that I love and am amazed at is what a community. Canadian death metal is, and Canadian metal is, period. I mean, if, if I counted, there are a, a reference to Iced Earth, The Order of Chaos, Into Eternity, Death Toll Rising, Kerchaos, and Final Darkness. This is a community and a family up there, man, and the stuff that they're putting out is the shit. I mean, it's good, and you can tell it comes from all these people banding together in a common cause. It's the brotherhood we talked about in the last podcast. So what, what was the biggest thing that struck you about this interview, what what did you enjoy or take from it the most? Well, I mean, one just how down to earth he was. Second, how passionate and how clear a vision he has. He brings in a lot of influences, but you can tell he has a very clear idea about what that new album is going to be like, how those songs are going to be constructed, and what that music's going to sound like when they perform it live. I definitely got this from that that interview. I also got just how central he is to this band. He was involved in the singing, even the recruiting of the drummer, the playing, the writing, the mixing. He's mixing with a friend today, he said. He is involved in every aspect of the band. Music is his life. Absolutely. It's it's certainly his vision, yeah. And uh, it's one that uh, I'm I'm very thankful for because I just love the music. As being a jump on the bandwagon fan of this band, I can honestly say that that I think that Tim Roth is fast becoming one of my guitar heroes. And you know how important the guitar is for me. Excellent oh, interview, excellent guy, excellent band, excellent music. Absolutely. Hey, I want to remind our listeners, you can stream or download our podcast on The Great Metal Debate on SoundCloud.com. And we've got new podcast episodes coming up in the next few weeks plus additional interviews with other artists. And you can also catch up with what's going on or give us feedback by going to the Great Metal Debate Facebook page. So join us in the new millennium by listening to melodic technical death metal and symphonic power metal with me, Gomthog. Yeah, listen to all that shit he said if you want. Check out the real metal pre-1986. Either way, we'll see you all next time on the Great Metal Debate Podcast.